I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. Welcome into a bonus edition of a Quick Timeout Podcast. Basketball is back, and to celebrate, I partnered with Fast Model Sports to produce the NBA Restart Show, which streamed last night on the Fast Model Twitter and Facebook accounts. As part of the show, I interviewed a couple guests, including ESPN's coach Fran Fraschilla, and this episode is that interview. Once you're done listening, head over to Twitter and check out the rest of the show. We had a lot of fun discussing predictions for the finals, the best coach, and more, so be sure to check that out. But for now, enjoy this basketball conversation with Coach Fran Fraschilla. Our next guest is no stranger to basketball fans. He covers college basketball, the TBT, does a little NBA draft. He is Coach Fran Fraschilla. Coach, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thanks, Tony. The magic of technology, man. I'm uh, I'm still technically illiterate, but we figured it out and I'm ready to go. No problem at all. We're just glad to have you here. So we've got a few polls that people are voting on tonight. Who do you think will win the NBA Finals? I kind of want to frame it to you like this. It's a unique season. It's essentially a new season. If you're the coach of one of these teams and you're like a sixth or a seventh seed, are you preaching yeah. to your players, guys, we have a shot at this? Oh, no question. Uh, you know, listen, there's a couple or three or four elite teams in the NBA this season when uh, when the, when the league, league came to a halt. And that would have been, obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks, the L.A. Clippers, the L.A. Lakers. Uh, there were some other teams that were playing pretty good basketball, like the Boston Celtics. And certainly now that Ben Simmons is back for Philly, uh, they're dangerous as well. There's no question about that. Um, I'm probably missing somebody else in the East. But Milwaukee, obviously the favorite. Um, but now what you have to really figure out, Tony, is what's the mentality of your team going to be like? Um, I had a coach the other day text me from the from an NBA team, and he said, I feel like I'm in Disney State Prison. Okay, <laughs> So there's a mindset there about being stuck in the bubble, and yeah. you, you're going to have to overcome that adversity of being in that bubble for the next three months if you want to win an NBA championship. I mm. personally think the team that wins this championship is going to be rightfully crowned uh, without an asterisk. An asterisk. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's unusual. They played almost 70 games. Um, the unique circumstances of the next three months is going to bring out the best in some of these teams. And so uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the top teams really um, – mentally approach the next three months because it's not going to be easy without the crowd noise. So from a coach's perspective, you've got this really short regular season and then you start playoffs right away. Like, is there anything that changes strategy wise? Well, I don't know about that. I do know that the hardest part of the coach's job is over the first three weeks in the bubble. You know, now, now they can get their guys to look forward to games. Going to be interesting to see if the top seeds in each uh, you know, in the East and the West, if they if they treat the next, you know, eight or so games like tune-ups for the playoffs, while there are a number of teams in both the East and the West that are fighting for their playoff lives. Um, the motivation factor, I don't think, is, is going to be as big a deal now that we're going to be playing, uh, teams are going to be playing games seemingly every other day. So their mindset, while they miss the family, they miss, you know, all the all the comforts of being back home, at least now, 
They can focus on a game coming up every 48 hours. And I think that preparation uh, is going to help coaches motivate these teams, especially teams that really feel like they have a chance to win an NBA title. I've seen one, two, two presses. I've seen zone. I've seen, I've seen just about anything, at least for a short period of time. And I know it's exhibition. So coaches try anything, whether it's something like that, or maybe something you saw on the TBT this year, yeah. is there something unconventional that could potentially be employed that wouldn't necessarily be something that's used typically in an NBA season? Well, definitely zones, you know, zones are more prevalent in the league right now. The percentage of possessions where teams are playing zone defense is up. And then certainly the, in terms of unconventional, um, you know, just, just think about last year's NBA finals when you had Nick nurse pulling out the box in one on Steph Curry to great effect. And I think two different games. So, yeah, I think, um, I think in this environment, especially teams that are in the middle of the pack in both, um, both the East and the West can kind of throw caution to the wind and experiment maybe a little bit more, but, um, you know, again, going back to Nick nurse, he, he, here's a guy who is coaching in the NBA finals and throws boxing one out there. So I do think you got to be prepared for anything as you get ready for the next, uh, you know, um, month to three, depending on if you can survive. Obviously shooting has become such a big part of the game. And again, this unique situation, do you feel like there's a scenario where some other skill could be used or something becomes more prevalent? We, we were just talking with coach Nick before this and talking about, a different background for shooters or being kind of a little bit out of, out of practice. Do you see a a more defensive minded team winning or, or somebody that maybe plays a little bit more through the post or what, what do you foresee? Is there any difference? Chemistry, chemistry. I, I, I listen, um, buddy Heald said he loves this gym. I've known buddy since his freshman year at Oklahoma, my son played with him. And buddy, you know, buddy said, these are great shooting gyms because there's not a lot of distraction in the background. I don't think shooting is going to be a problem. Conditioning may be a problem. And I think that'll affect uh, some guys uh, offensive uh, firepower, particularly shooting. I also think you'll see sloppy play early um, because we really had what looked like a summer, you know, summer league basketball in these three exhibition games. But now when we're playing for real teams are going to really find, uh, I think they need to find their, you know, their uh, offensive chemistry, ball movement, uh, knocking down shots, you know, Toronto had a, they looked terrific. And that was the other team I was thinking about earlier in the East that I forgot, but Toronto, think about it. They had a week in Florida before anybody else came down because they were quarantined over at the uh, Florida Gulf coast university and mm-hmm. they looked like they're in great condition. So I think early on conditioning could be a factor in why teams look sloppy on the offensive end. Do you think scouting is any different when you're playing so many games in such a short amount of time? And is there anything different that you would do as a coach to prepare for these games that are happening so quickly? Well, it's interesting. I have another, you know, I'm trying to think the son that played at Oklahoma is with the Orlando magic and he's not in the bubble, but he's breaking down tape every night. Um, I think that uh, from a standpoint of strategy, the one thing these coaches have had plenty of time to figure out, since the season came to an abrupt end on March 11th is to go back. And I know how they are. Nobody took a break. Trust me. Maybe hmm. they were zooming, uh, you know, zoom calling in terms of coaches meetings, but they were working. And I think that what some, what, what you had a chance to do is go back and reevaluate your, uh, 
your, you know, your best fives, you know, your, your most consistent teams offensively, defensively. A good example is uh, think about the 76ers with Ben Simmons healthy. Uh, it looks like Brett Brown's made a decision to put Shake Milton in the lineup as a point guard, move Ben to the four, bring Al Horford off the bench. That was really tough this year when they had to play the big lineup. It really was, especially from a defensive point of view. So now you kind of split up Al's minutes uh, with Embiid, play smaller, play more traditional. Maybe Ben Simmons gives you a mismatch at that four spot because of his great athleticism and speed. And I think you'll see teams that have broken down their film over the four months, experimented during these three exhibition games, maybe come up with different combinations. And so when you talk about different combinations, you may also be talking about different styles of play, small ball versus big ball. Although when you're talking about the Houston Rockets right now, they have no hmm. chance to play big ball. It's all small ball, five-man switching from here on out because that's what they've kind of, um, you know, gonna, they're going to live and die with that. We've asked people to vote the poll about a potential maybe underdog or one of the lower seeds that could have a shot. And I know that you do a lot with the international players and have watched these guys for a really long time talking about Luca and, and Porzingis. And I'd like for you just to talk to maybe about their progression and the way that they've meshed so, so quickly and the way that Luca has just come in and done so well so early. I don't know that it's been a surprise to anybody, but just things that you saw in the past, things potentially maybe forecasting for the future going forward, and then maybe even talking about their potential for this year? Well, first of all, when you talk about any NBA playoffs, you're talking about uh, an impact by the international players. Uh, nearly 25% of the league was born outside of the United States. And when you talk about Luka Doncic or, or Nikola Jokic or some of the others, uh, international uh, stars, they're certainly going to be sprinkled throughout every single lineup uh, uh, seemingly in the playoffs. Luca, listen, I had DeAndre eight and one, Luca two. So um, I, I'm I'm not surprised. I guess I'm surprised at how quickly he's taken over the league. I thought uh, NBA starter early, potential All Star down the road, and he's going to be voted first team All NBA. Uh, and I don't think he's turned 21 yet. So that's amazing. Um, he and he and Porzingis are certainly dangerous. Um, they've been hurt by the injuries to Dwight Powell and to Jalen Brunson, so their depth has been harmed a little bit. But they certainly they're a sneaky team in the West. I think the Denver Nuggets are sneaky. You know, they got a lot of depth. They have Jokic. They have some firepower on the perimeter. They have versatility, and I think they're a dangerous team as well in the West. You know, in the East, obviously, um, I, I really, as a, as a dark horse, man, you got to like Miami. And if you talk about international guys, you could talk about Goran Dragic, who, although not necessarily starting, is still a key guy for their team. Um, the way they play with great intensity, they have a takeover guy in Jimmy Butler. They have really good pieces around him in Adebayo and uh, Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn, who's going to be probably in the top three in Rookie of the Year voting. And they've got a great culture there. They're dangerous. And then certainly up in Boston, you can't discount them because I think Brad Stevens always has them ready to play uh, in, a, in a playoff series. Different level of coaches that are probably watching this. Some maybe who are a little bit more experienced, but just don't watch a lot of NBA basketball. I have a feeling that there's going to be more that are watching just because it's the only thing that we've been able to watch. And yeah. so maybe for some that don't watch a lot, if I'm talking as a coach, watching, wanting to watch other coaches, who am I watching? What am I watching for? 
and what makes those guys so special? Well, one of the things I've done the last three or four months, as you may know, Tony, is I've studied, I've studied more pick and roll basketball hmm. than I ever have. And I put a couple of clinics that have gotten out there, get them on YouTube, just a way to pass on the stuff that I had a chance to learn. And so I study a lot of NBA basketball. I would say watch pick and roll, but watch it from the standpoint of what are the coverage, like what's the play? And if you're taping these games or can go back and watch them even better, what's the play? What's the defensive coverage? Is it a drop coverage? Is it a, is it a, a blitz coverage? Is it somewhere in between? Is it, is it somewhat an aggressive coverage where it's maybe a hard hedge back? Um, is it a passive coverage, like a drop coverage? Are they switching? And for every play that you see run, try to diagnose the coverage and then ask yourself, does the offensive team have a solution for the coverage? I think one of the things I've preached this uh, season on when I've, when I've done games on TV and now even into the spring and talked about um, offensive basketball is you have a plan. The defense has an adjustment to the plan, and you must make an adjustment to the adjustment. Good coaches have a plan. Very good coaches have an adjustment to the plan. Great coaches make an adjustment to the defense's adjustment. So watch pick and roll coverage as much as you can. See what teams are doing. Uh, and, again, it's something that I've become really passionate about. Um, you may not have heard me talk about this, but I break it down into three levels, you know. Level one is on the ball coverage. It's that's the, can I gain an advantage on my man? Level two is the screeners defender and all good players at the college and NBA level are pretty good at the, at the level of the screen, the great point guard, see level three, the other three defenders and can throw that cross court hook pass to the shooter in the other corner because his man is helping in the lane by what we call tagging the roller, the big guy going to the rim. Mm -hmm. So I would really study pick and roll. And I think it's something that high school coaches, college coaches, and grassroots coaches in, this, in, in our country can get even better and better at. Last thing I want to leave you with here and get your thoughts on it. We saw some changes in baseball for their adapted season. I thought now would be the perfect time, at least in the regular season, to finish with the Elam ending. You were going to say that. <laughs> I think it's, I think, I'm not sure I'm ready for it to be in the NBA playoffs or the NCAA tournament or even conference tournaments. Um, I think it's been great for TBT. It's great for all-star games. I think it would be great in the G League every night. There's some talk that someday it would be a great way for NBA games to play in overtime. Um, I think, and I'm a, I'm a fan, I think AAU basketball, grassroots, I think given all we've been through in the last four months, <laughs> getting these kids, these guys into a bubble and so far relatively safely, let's not chance it by going, you know, throwing one more. Nothing too crazy. Nothing too crazy. Let's just all have right. good basketball for now. But the NBA embraced it at the All-Star game, and it was a huge hit. I'll accept that at least for right now. Just the excitement level. Uh, every game, every every game ends in a shot, right? And so everybody loves to see that. Every, yeah, everybody who's grown up in any park, a rec center, or high school gym in the country in the summertime or any time who's played without a game clock has played to a target score. Yep. 11, 15, 21. That's the beauty of the Elam ending. Every game ends on a basket. Last thing I want to do, give you an opportunity to promote. Everybody's getting into them. You've got a great one podcast yeah you know what the world of basketball you can get it you can see it on apple i think uh some other outlets uh, uh sirius xm radio uh we're just what we're doing every week is discussing 
with somebody who's got an expertise as a player, coach, or an executive from someplace in the basketball world. Uh, we had Jerry Colangelo on because of USA Basketball, but we've had people from around the world so far. Kirk Penny from New Zealand and uh, Ettore Messina, the great coach in Italy who was with the San Antonio Spurs. So many great guests we've had on, and uh, I'm just taking people around the world of basketball because, as you know, Tony, I have this great love of the game of basketball that just transcends the United States. And um, as I tell everybody, uh, the basketball globe is shrinking. You have a great love for it, and you also have a love for sharing it and sharing it with coaches, and I appreciate you sharing it with us tonight. Coach, thanks so much for joining us tonight. My pleasure, Tony. It's always great to talk to you. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.